0: Hi, this is Keith Kefchen, and you're listening to Dollars and Drivers, a podcast that allows leaders and outlets to discuss what drives them and their distinct way of succeeding in life and business. Welcome to another episode of Dollars and Drivers. Today, we're going to be speaking with Jim Alderman, the relatively newly minted CEO of Radisson Hotels and Resorts. great friend uh, had actually had the opportunity to place him in his previous role And he's going to be talking about the things that drive him, and they date back to his childhood where he talked about a fear of failure, that everyone is replaceable, and that the competitive spirit that was part of the driving forces in his family, as his family were a family of coaches, and competitive in every way, shape, and form. So look forward to another episode, this one with Jim Alderman. Jim. How are you my friend? I'm good. How are you? Good. Maybe before we get started with the questions, maybe you could just, you know, update the listeners about how Radisson is doing, how you are dealing with the COVID impact. You obviously took over leadership of the company Smack dab in the, the middle of the crisis. So, uh, what quick update can you give on uh, how the company's doing?
1: You're right. Uh, you got a good memory on the timing. It was um, I was I remember I was driving to because I was moving, you know, some of my stuff up into to um, Minneapolis. I was driving on the 10th of March. And at that point in time, I mean, globally, I, I, I had already certainly understood that this was going to be incredibly serious. I'm kind of a, a student of these things in a what before was almost perversely paranoid way of, you know, something bad could happen. And uh, you know, always being you know, kind of a semi-prepared for something like that. But I don't think any of us were prepared for this. But I still remember it was so early on that I remember stopping on my way in at the gas station of a big uh, store, which they don't have throughout the U.S., but it's called Fleet Farm. It's a huge, huge you know interstate-based operation usually, and they still had uh, Lysol in the uh, in the gas station. And I think I bought the entire rack. I'm like. In, inside the store, it was a gas station and a, a large store. They're like 200,000 square feet. Inside the store, they had no supplies. But at the gas station, no one had thought to look. And there, was, there were six cans there. So I remember buying them and got in. It was supposed to start on the 16th of um, March. And I got a call on the 12th that you need to engage now. So the weekend before I was supposed to uh, begin at Radisson, we began in earnest and shut down the offices the first day I started. So, you know, it was wow. a it was a trial by fire jumping in immediately uh like that. It was kind of um, you know, it was it was interesting. We, you know, at first revenues, you know, just zapped down 80%, just gone, wiped out. Right. Um, bounced back on in some areas uh more quickly than than others. And I guess you could say it's the in, in the time of this pandemic it's been the the good fortune of our portfolio dispersion the way it is with you know, about 462 of our mid 600 number in the Americas of hotels being country and in suites in, you know, interstate and drive to locations. Their, their RGI has kind of climbed through the pandemic on a relative basis. It's climbed relative to its comp set. Right. Obviously, the number still way down. You know, we're. um you know, some 40 to 50% off tracking through most of the year. As with just about everybody, except for, you know, group hotels and and kind of, you know, urban or urban upper upscale through luxury, we, we fared well during the summer, very well. We actually had a nine point pickup this last week through November 28th, which uh, I had to tell our Shareholders, this morning, that uh, you know, don't don't count on that uh, being a harbinger of you know good times returning. Because you know, if you keep an eye on the on the uh, on the news and and on the, the the information coming through the the governors and through um, the state agencies and the hospitalizations uh, that are up and the the number of infections that are up, I don't think that that's going to continue. I just think there was a lot of people who decided I'm still traveling for Thanksgiving. So. That's uh, something that we um, we saw. We experienced a, a decent pickup there, but I think it'll tick back down. You know, I'm really wondering if you know next year. Uh, you saw that um, CBRE moved their their forecast down, kind of backloaded in the year and said you know at Red Bar yeah, yeah, would we'll be yeah. up like 41, percent and then they moved it to 18. And I think we'll beat that again, given our portfolio, because I don't think we track necessarily lockstep with the overall. Uh, market again due to the portfolio, which is good and bad. Look, I mean, at any point in time, I'd say, would I rather have, you know, three upper upscale assets in all 50 major metro markets in an urban area in the United States? Yes, I mean, sure. of course, sure. I'd love to have that, but uh, that's not the that's not the construct of our portfolio at this time. Uh, so in in this in this recovery, we're benefiting like others. I mean, we're not alone in that. I'm sure that uh, our competition, uh, you know, with with Joyce and Wyndham and in their segments are doing you know very similar to what we're doing. We do have owners who are you know comparing us to you know some of their properties they have with the the giants, you know, the the more you know the more multi brand tiered competitors in our business, and saying that you know we're we're tracking. Um, Better than them, but I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that that is a that is a, something that goes into perpetuity. It's just uh, I think it's a, happens to be a good fortune of luck that you know we've been perceived probably as a better value. It's certainly in country and in suites, and because it's a it was a better value potentially to start with versus some of the, the brands that are that score an RGI much higher than than uh, than we do that they had more to fall you know, you you know, you know, this business. Sure. So um,
0: do you think that you're in the same business that you were in nine, 10 months ago, a modified business, or I think, is there something I totally think we are, reg- I
1: modified from a booking window where I mean, the booking window is really unlike anything you, you can possibly ever imagine other than, you know, if I was, uh, Following you two around the country, and they were only announcing shows 24 hours in advance. You know uh, that that's that's kind of the pace we're on. I mean, I've seen our properties during the during the spring and summer uh, that I was spending in Minnetonka or min, in Minneapolis. I would I would constantly keep an eye on our our Radisson and Duluth, Minnesota, and it's a lovely place. I mean, I I, I mean, I really bell weather
0: that. asset, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind it kind of was it, it was you know you'd be Monday Tuesday. 38%, 42%, Friday, hundred percent, Saturday, hundred percent. And you're like, what is, go-? and I think people literally were keeping their eye on the weather and going, all right, it's not going to rain. So I got to get out of here. I got to get out of, you know, Southern Minnesota. I'm going to go to Northern Minnesota. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's really the, the patterns have been, you know, so interesting on this last minute booking, I mean, we're now seeing a lot of fall off of, you know, people pulling December business off the books and and not, you know, almost zero advanced booking. I do think that um, we're in a, a little bit of a different business from that point of view, from a booking cycle point of view. ADR has not uh, really taken that much of a hit. It seems like more so than anything, owners in this particular cycle, this unexpected, you know, uh, devastating down have paid attention to the adage that, People have tried to say before, like, don't give up rate. It's much harder to get back. But I don't know that that's going to hold. Uh, I I, re- I hope it does, but I don't know that that's going to hold, you know, in after the first, you know, kind of call it five to six months of next year, because I think once people say, well, we should be back, there's uh, there's vaccination and it's spreading and we've got 20 percent or 30 percent or 50 percent once we get to that level on vaccination And some of these owners don't see their business coming back. I think I'm a little concerned that we'll get into discounting. I think that as everyone says, like I'm not a soothsayer say that groups are going to take longer to come back, but I do believe maybe somewhat differently than others, that groups will come back as strong as they ever did. Certainly after next year. And I'll tell you why, because we've gotten so good at this, you and I, if we needed to meet and, and you were gonna do a search for us, you know, you'd probably have jumped down to Charlotte, say I'm, when I was with SA or jump over to Minneapolis and you'd come and, and we'd spend, you know, you'd come in town, you'd take your trip to the airport, you'd, you'd take your plane, maybe it's one, maybe it's two planes, depending on where you're flying from. You know, you'd probably, you know, come in, t- we meet for a couple hours We'd maybe go have a meal, Maybe fly back the same day, but maybe not. You know, Maybe see another client or something like that and, uh, and then fly back. And by the time you add that up, that's that's a $2,000 trip. Yeah, I think a lot of CFOs, whether or not they even intended to, are now hearing the same repeated thing that CFOs across the country are going to be looking at those type of trips and going, I'm not sure there's a giant ROI on that when we're so good at what we're doing here. I think groups are way different because when it comes to conventions, when it comes to you know, you and I running into each other at Alice or at NYU or at Lodging Conference or at the Hunter Conference or you know, our, our traditional industry conferences, there's no running into somebody on a virtual conference. It doesn't happen. You know, there's no casual conversation in the hall that leads to a deal or a portfolio of deals, and there's not one of us in this business that hasn't picked up a lead that pays off walking from your room to the elevator or back. So the
0: the one-on-ones go away. The group stuff is even more intense or more important.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think the one-on-ones certainly saw an article that was forwarded to me this morning that uh, projected, you know, 36% hit, uh, hit to, you know, business travel, in perpetuity forever. I, I, I think that again, even as bad as this has been, once we recover, people do tend to have somewhat fleeting memories. So I don't believe that we'll be down that much. And I don't believe that there'll be a permanent hit to major convention rotation type travel. I don't believe Vegas will suffer greatly in the long term. I don't believe that, you know, like look at some a hotel like the New Orleans Hilton. Right, sixteen hundred rooms. You know, makes its business off of conventions. Um, I don't believe that. I don't believe that they're going to f- suffer a permanent hit. Maybe on the transient that they had to pick up in between conventions, in between move in, move out, and convention days. Maybe, um, probably, uh, there's some permanent hit to that. But I, I believe groups and 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 certainly big meetings will be back. Very strong, you know, in at least in two thousand and twenty two we're seeing some pickup. we're seeing some solid booking at our um we don't unfortunately we don't have a ton of those assets, but a couple of them we we do own our uh, blue model the Americas property was actually incredibly full for for black friday, which which was interesting and the restaurant did amazing covers but uh, we're already getting a lot of state association and regional association booking for the, the second half of the year next year they're saying they're they fully plan on being back because they think the vaccine's gonna be in and, and that's that's you know robust forward indicators uh given that you know Minnesota's really taking it on the chin right now as far as uh infection rate and hospitalization right.
0: rate. Well, I mean that's a, a very interesting sort of take and outlook on both I think Radisson and the market in general, if we could maybe turn the conversation to, you know, some of these leadership issues we've been talking to people across the industry about, what has been, you know, your driving force of your personal and, and, and professional success? What, what would have been those major factors that have driven you to a point where you're now running, you know, one of the Bemis in our industry?
1: You're being kind. Thank you. Thank you for saying it's a uh, it's, uh I mean, we're we love where we are, but, you know, we, we know that we could easily be three times bigger and not even come close to touching uh, the top five as far as their scale. But we want to get there. You know, I, I say it's a, an answer that will sound flip at first, but it's uh, kind of true. Part of part of it is fear. I mean, fear of failure. And I, I, I it's a it's a flaw. You know, it's a flaw that um, I have always operated, you know, maybe it's because, you know, my, you know, I watched my father get laid off or I watched my, um, my mother was a coach uh, and coaches are very easily replaced, um, you know, by, by administrators. Uh, at, and, and I've watched, I don't watch that happen a couple of times. Um, so part of it is uh, fear of failure and, and, a, and a competitive spirit. As I said, my mother was a coach, my father was a, a coach, but not full time as well. And we're incredibly, athletic people, incredibly competitive people. And I mean, winning was the only option. And so I, part of it is a competitive drive and a fear of failure. I come to work every day knowing that I can very easily, uh, be replaced. Everyone's replaceable. That was pounded in my head by some very early mentors in my career that, uh, you know, you got to prove your worth every day when you're, when, when you show up from, you know, sun up to sundown or, or, or later prove your worth every day and I still remember one of my early mentors saying if you're not if you're not making 10 times your compensation for the company in value and this was when I was a child I mean 21 22 years old um, yeah, then we don't need you uh, so it was uh, it was really interesting he had some other key things like if you can afford to take more than a week off don't come back you know it, it was uh, it's certainly not the thanks boss the really yeah, it doesn't really play into, uh, he said that as I was trying to take my honeymoon, but it doesn't really play into, uh, I think, uh, Gen Y or or the, or the millennial mindset. But some of them, some, mm-hmm. some of them, it does. Um, my wife thinks that I've passed on my worst traits to my kids as far as work wise, because my son, who's in our industry, um, came in for the Thanksgiving holidays and came in at uh, after getting a COVID test, we were safe, everybody, but um. Uh, Came in at uh, ten o'clock, I think, on Wednesday, and um, immediately said, I, n- "I need your office. I- I'm going to be working till two in the morning." And my wife looked looked at him and she shook his head, and then she looked at me. She's like, "This is your fault." <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, were, were there, you know, any people, bes- maybe besides your parents, that you could look to that got you and kept you on the right path? I assume that most people have some guardrails. Anyone come to mind?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I've had some very practical bosses out there and some really, really, you know, interesting people from a leadership, a, a pure leadership point of view, I think of almost none finer than than Eric Danziger. I think uh, I, Eric set such a, a fantastic example of a real leader who really cared about his people and, uh, and, you know, strived to do the right thing, standing up for his people and for owners uh, in our industry. Uh, but um, someone who I've actually worked for three times who I constantly find myself quoting uh, is Joe Long, uh, who was um, obviously one of the architects of Kempton selling um, to IHG after, you know, going there, uh, leaving Starwood and building it up so large and and selling it to IHG for, you know, what was a remarkable multiple, as you know, that got even better after the initial sale. Um, So I accredit a lot of, you know, the, my very pragmatic, skills that I have to employ at times from, you know, instead of being the, you know, the cockeyed optimist, uh, deal guy all the time and have to get pragmatic and make some real decisions outside of that, that role. Um, I, I really credit a lot of that to Joe Long. And then of course for, you know, amazing just leaders from a, a CEO point of view that people, I mean, you know, aspire to have the creativity and the, uh, and the business acumen of, left brain, right brain, you know, all around genius of Barry Stern. Like, uh, of course that was, um, I mean, that's something I'll, I'll never get to, but certainly it is a, you know, as a, I look at that as kind of the penultimate, uh, you know, type of success in a, in a CEO. And I I think Barry is definitely one of them. And a a really good culture as far as an overall culture place where I can refer to several people was my time at, at Bristol hotels. And you remember, you remember all those guys, uh, yeah. pete klein and uh and the beckerts and uh
0: and then former cornelli's
1: yeah yeah and it was it, yeah, that's the way it was you know it was from pete's uh we, we had open office plans so you could look down the road and you could see pete there were no walls that's the way first thing they did when they took yeah. over hotels they took the walls down to the gm's office and you know made it to more of a, a public position the gm's no longer you know exalted to i don't mix with everybody anyone can see him and so pete was that way and it was Cornell row all the way down until you, until you took the left and you got to the bad part of town where it was state college row. It was Florida state, Penn state, Michigan state. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was a, that was a great experience as well. Of course they were, you know, um, put together by private equity by a guy named Don McNamara um, who is, um, you know, goes back in the, in the, in the hotel business to, Dealing with um, uh, working for Steve Bolenbach. and and I learned a lot from Don McNamara, what an incredible leader! Actually, he actually hired Barry Stern like uh, at JMB, so uh, he he predates Barry a little bit. There but uh, so that shows how smart he was that he hired Barry Stern. Like, yeah, it's uh, those those are those are I think some of the key people, and you know, uh, my current um, the guy who hired me into this role, Federico Gonzalez. I I tell people all the time that I think that um, as far as a CEO with Financial marketing and uh, development and design acumen, which is that that one you almost never get. I mean, you can be you can be good at f- you, you, know, you can be an expert at finance. If you came up as a CFO, you're definitely gonna be an expert at finance. Or you may be your expertise may be in marketing, it may be in the development side of things, but to be to hit on all those disciplines and then be incredibly adept at, at the design part of it, you know, I'm in awe of those type of people. And Federico. Gonzalez is uh, one of those uh, type of robust leaders
0: when you think about how a, a business functions I think a lot of people talk about their mission they tend to get that at least down in a sentence or two right they talk about their core values yeah. almost every company now that I've done consulting work has those things in place and some are so much more successful than others if you want to use the sports mentality right you know Every team, generally speaking, in sports today has a cap so they can spend only a certain amount of money. Right. They all have the same goal, win a Super Bowl or win a championship. Is there a playbook? Is there a way of doing business uh, that is your way or the things you've picked up? Is there really a day-to-day playbook of of how to succeed uh, on the ground, in the trenches?
1: Yeah, we we start with an overall um very very detailed five-year plan and then we again that's a five-year plan which is more of a strategic document and i i'm not super wild about the term strategy because so many things get thrown under that and and it's it's, it's so easy to call anything strategic i'm more about you know how do we how do we operationalize it and how do we bring it into actual tactics so from the five-year plan we'll break it down to minutiae of the next 12 months and with us with Radisson Hotel Group, I, I think it's fairly easy. We need to rebuild Radisson in the Americas. We need to regain. I remember when my wife told my her mother that, you know, I was I was going to become the CEO of Radisson. She goes, Oh, I know Radisson. And you know, I kind of turned to her, I said, that's fantastic. Because when I went to work at Extended Stay America, she didn't know that. And that's not a knock on them. She wouldn't know it. You know, she's 83 years old, yeah. you know, never had to never had to stay there. But it doesn't, you know, just the name alone doesn't say that it's a hotel, Radisson, she knows it's been around the Carlson since 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 you know the sixties. And uh, you know, my next question is tell me where one is. And we need to be back at that place again to where you know where the, the closest three Radissons are, you know, and you don't have to so, well, I know there used to be one there. No, i we're starting to get those back. Uh Lisa Farrell, one of our uh development VPs has uh, has just signed a Radisson in in or a former Radisson in Grand Rapids to bring that uh, back into the fold and I and that's what we'd like to see. So part of it is to is to re-energize Radisson, but then also to take Country Inn and Suites from 460 hotels in the U.S. to 1,500 to 2,000 hotels. Look, Days Inn and Super 8 through thick and thin have carried Wyndham through a good and bad times. I mean, what powerhouse brands those are for them, both, you know, well over 2000 units each, you know, if you think about, you know, getting something to that kind of critical mass, it allows you so much freedom to explore other things. And so I think from a, a day-to-day basis, we look at rebuilding uh, back where we were, and we look at trying to optimize uh, the good, <laughs> the good thing is, is there's plenty of places where we're not. And so, you know, trying to focus people on where to grow is easy. But what I also want to focus on is taking a look at removing any nonsense from operations that costs money and doesn't provide a return for the guest or for the owner. So getting back to, you know, real ROI, which this pandemic is really focuses on and moving, we're trying to remove a lot of costs from the business and getting back to real ROI when it comes to, you know, the design, the PIPs, and operationally, I and mean, we've changed uh, very recently. Uh, allowed, we had a, a, a hallmark of the Country and Suites brand was real china and, and real silverware in the um, in the kitchen. Well, that means a, a different sanitary type of application that you necessarily wouldn't have in all limited service hotels. I mean, with a real, you know, since I was a dishwasher, that's where I started. Uh, a real Hobart, you know, in there, and you're you're really you're running this stuff through, you know, versus you know uh, options that are that are more expensive and, or, or that are less expensive for the franchisees and, and have a higher ROI and reconsidering breakfast options, things like that, or, you know, just some of the tactical things we want to do to make these brands have greater ROI and drive greater value to the proprietary channels. I mean, it's, it, it, again, that sounds flipped because it's just what everyone says. We want to drive business to the cheaper, to the cheapest uh, outlets, uh, you know, versus trying to take so much OTA business. I mean, these are all things to uh, fix. And I'm, Happy to have a you know a great team that was uh, in place uh, before I got there, and you know and and supplemented with some of the key people we've added. I think that I think we're we're well on our way. It's just everyone kind of got tripped up by this uh, this little thing called COVID.
0: Sure. You talked about being competitive. You come from a family of coaches. How do you view competition? You have a lot of it. You you said that clearly. What can you learn or not learn? from your competition how, how do you use competition as a, as a positive
1: i use it as a positive uh, i really do because i'm in awe of, of some of our competition i mean it's i mean some some of it just in their ability to grow i was just looking at um a peer study that we do uh once a quarter that we pass to our shareholders and, and taking a look at the at the size of i mean uh, it's the, the, the obvious ones are obvious right Hilton Marriott, uh, Marriott bought uh, my old company, Starwood, and, you know, added some terrific brands. And so the size and the success is, is there, like there's, there's not one roadmap for success in our industry. If you're, if you're from our position looking up, there's, there's six or seven or eight. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm just awed by, you know, so many of my, of my, my colleagues in, in development. And I still look at myself as a developer. Uh, You know, it's not, it's not, too often they give the cowboy the keys to the uh, corner office and say let's make a developer a CEO but um, that was probably the the last thing here that you know needed to be optimized is the, is the development function and uh, so that I think that's why they took the chance and, and put a development person in it you know I, I look at my folks who were in the same position I used to be in as chief development officers and I'm in awe of what they do and I, and I look up at now my I guess who people who are at least positionally, you know, hold the same title as me. I wouldn't be so bold as to say they're my peers in the industry. But you know, when they have five thousand or seven thousand hotels, and we have you know, six hundred and forty, we generally do the same things. But you know, some of them have public company duties that I don't have, uh, which certainly you know, having to you know deal with Sarbanes Oxley and institutional shareholder services is no walk in the park. But I, I'm, I'm in awe of them. I look, I'm, I look at them. Almost all of them is inspiration as to you know where I where I'd I'd like to be. As you know, our industry is so odd as from a, a point of view of knowledge sharing and knowledge transfer. We get together, we get together on podcasts, on doing you know a six by eight thing where there'll be other people who are competitive with uh um, with us, and we tell each we tell our secrets. You know, I mean, right. unlike I mean, you never see Coke and Pepsi or you know Bojangles and Popeyes get together and go to the same conference and trade secrets on you know how uh, what exact spice they use in their chicken but we're the most open industry as far as as far as knowledge transfer and knowledge sharing you know how how transparent we are on every one of these panels uh at these at these industry conferences and and so from that point of view it's it's easy to look up and say wow I would love to enjoy you know a tenth of the success of Jeff Blatz you know, or or of Pat Patious. I mean, certainly in in my wildest dreams, you know, you see you, you see getting to the um, you know Radisson, you know, getting to a, a much larger size. But as part of an overall organization, we are part of, uh, of you know we are owned by by Jinjang, and they are the number two. Uh, second largest uh, hotel company in the world with all of their brands. And uh, right. sure. you know, so I'm, I'm super happy to be a part of that. But, you know, we we stand alone here. You know, there are shareholders, but we stand alone. And, and we look at our future as Radisson Hotel Group here in, uh, in, the, in the Americas.
0: How have you had to adapt? Uh, it would seem that especially in today's market, all the – competitive forces hitting you, even outside our industry, if you consider Airbnb and other businesses as outside. How are you adapting? Now, how do you adapt? What is your your sort of plan for adaptation?
1: It's continued to work on the brands. Uh, we're taking a look at uh, some brands that we've had on the this, on this shelf that really have not uh, gotten a lot of traction in, in the U.S., such as Park Inn and Park Plaza, which have just because of their, their name, Park Inn and Park Plaza, they have a huge amount of unaided awareness, but there's really not that many of them. In the Americas, there's only about 20 Park Inns and one Park Plaza. And if you ask people, have you heard of Park Plaza, almost, you know, the, the respondents are like 60 some percent. Yes, I have. And I kind of, you know, smile, at, really? I mean, how? Because there are some Park Plaza's out there that predate the IP. That, that I've run into winter park, Florida. There's one, there, there's a few, but I think many people, when they hear park Plaza, think park place a monopoly, you know, and they, they just, they just assume, uh, they assumed, they, assume like, they assume. Yeah. It. I heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause the name, cause the name's there because of the park.
0: When but, we started, yeah. we started ethos. Uh, people say, Oh yeah, I heard of you. I heard that that company before <laughs> I was like, exactly. oh, I just, I just started it. How could you like, Oh yeah, I heard the They're pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's because you made a great name selection. Yeah. But uh, part of it is, is you know, continuing to, to look at the brands and try to hit them where they ain't strategy. I mean, we, we need to some of the fantastic success that my competitors have enjoyed have basically opened up a slot at the intersection for me. Right. I mean, how many more Hamptons can you put in a town? Right. Which is why Hilton starts new brands, right? That's certainly one of the reasons because uh, they've got that kind of demand coming through their system. But you know, part of it is to continue to adapt our brands and make these uh, make the ROI there, and really keep an eye on that. And and having been a developer, having built hotels, owned hotels, sold hotels, foreclosed on hotels, lent um, on been a lender on hotels, you know, I I think I understand enough of the the three hundred and sixty degree ownership cycle from all sides you know be it manager franchise or franchisee owner lender to be able to you know push our team to add value in every place that that we touch and continue to, to you know try to position ourselves as we come out of this uh pandemic to you know have a better brand offering and park in which we're bringing you know, down into the upper uh, we want we're, we're trying to get away from the the word economy or, or budget. That's certainly not where we're headed, but more of a modern value, we're calling it more of a, you know, target of the hotel industry type of thing. And, and to really find a way to dramatically increase, uh, increase country and suites. And, you know, maybe we don't need 90 feet of stone across Mm -hmm. the front of it. I'm not, I, you know, as Danziger always said, I'm pretty sure there's not a single guest who's ever said, I'm going to give you an extra $5 because you have an extra 15 feet of stone, you know, it's, you know, put the money where, guests will value it and guests will pay for it. And then the owners will be happy if the guests value it and the guests pay for it, either value it by, ch- by choice and, and and choosing to, to stay here or value it by pay, by, you know, paying more for it. And so, you know, focusing on some of the things that I was taught, uh, you know, uh, uh, by Eric and, and by others and, and trying to uh, constantly reassess, you know, are we doing the right thing? It's so easy to, to proliferate, you know, within these brands and, you know, say and and have a Me Too type of uh, situation, but I think the discipline that this pandemic is going to bring is. I mean, you've seen a lot of the stuff out there. You know, the the people who are you know the owners that are getting together and approaching brands and saying, "Hey, we need to we need to change." And then you know some of the former brand execs that are out there they're saying, "Hey, brands need to change." That one I always uh, I, I find kind of interesting is that you need to change till you're back running a brand again, <laughs> and right. then you gotta then you know you might, again, you might a, it soon.
0: If that's not adaptation, I mean, it doesn't matter what the forces are that uh, make you adapt. uh, I think most people realize they have to. uh, They're in a leadership role and they're good at what they do. Last question. uh, Again, back to a sports analogy, I think about, you know, why the New England Patriots are considered a dynasty with Brady and Belichick and so forth. There are clearly others out there, the all blacks. uh, Yeah like rugby uh, whatever it may be how do you build a dynasty I assume that that's part of your role in making sure that that Radisson becomes that or continues to be that how do you go about building a dynasty
1: the great thing is 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 you know we're at least starting with fantastic name recognition Radisson is not is not I don't believe it's thought of poorly I just believe it's thought of as it's been in limbo it's been in some cases, it's been, you know, specific to the Radisson brand, it's been missing. I can take what Federico has done by being the number one upper upscale brand in Europe as far as size and and almost pipeline. I mean, 160, you know, Radisson blues that he has over there that, you know, it's it's a it's a convoluted history. But you know, the, the Carlson's used to own the majority stake of, of Residor. And it was listed publicly over there. You know, now that's it's that that's separate. Both are owned by Jinjang but run separately. But if you look at at what what Fede has been able to accomplish uh, in Europe and in, and in Asia and throughout the rest of the world, the roadmap's there to be able to establish that legacy. I mean, it's it, he's got a Radisson Blue, especially, and we but will open five of those this year in this country, and we only had three before that here. So you know, that's a <laughs> Again, eight does not build a dynasty, but it starts us in a direction to renew Radisson. And, and and so with the different levels of Radisson, there's blue and there's red and there's core Radisson, you know, to, to really rebuild those. And when they decided to, you know, rename Country and in Suites by Radisson instead of by Carlson, you know, to build off, to anchor off of one name. And even when it comes to a soft brand that we've just recently launched and we're about to announce our first few signings, you know, we didn't call it something by radisson. We put radisson in the first name because we're just not we're not so big as the other folks are that you know we can call it by radisson and think that that's going to be successful for a soft brand. So we call it radisson individuals. You know, it has an individual spirit, it's operated individually and and brings something unique to to our portfolio that doesn't necessarily fit in the hard brands of blue red or or radisson or So if I
0: Yeah, Jim, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's brand name awareness then size and scope yes consistent yeah. are there other things that have to be part of that soup
1: Yeah I think so I think I, I think look you got to play socially I mean you've got to you've got to be resonating at a at a you know a three seven three eight and above or you know l- less than that you know you' you know anything below a three five you'll start to see you know per anything to the right of that decimal point you'll start to see a major fall off in REVPAR and demand uh, after, you know, after a three, five. And so I think it's, I think. Well, the people who don't
0: know uh, who aren't hotel, what does that mean?
1: If you are not scoring on a social, uh, on a trip advisor score or something like that at above 3.5 stars or up anything below 3.5 stars, it's pretty demonstrable that you lose rate, which as you know, we, that we call ADR or occupancy, and those two combined are for a product called RevPAR. So Thank you. It's,
0: I don't know how many people outside the industry are actually going to listen to us. But yeah. uh, for those, uh, I think it's important to understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Sorry to, to get so, so vernacular heavy on it. Rate times your occupancy level equals RevPAR. And so we call rate ADR, average daily rate and occupancy is average occupancy. And RevPAR is revenue revenue per available room. And so that's kind of the metric we use, as you know, Keith, to 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 right. measure ourselves uh, in the market against our against our competitive sets where we operate. And um, you know, there's demonstrable fall off. You know, once you get below those levels, so I think it's 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 satisfying the guests um, who are more verbal now than they've ever been because they have so many different outlets to be able to rate you. So getting good to great social scores and establishing a solid brand name for reliability, quality, and value and experience. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's core for us to build off, off of Radisson and, um, you know, and lead with the Radisson name, with Radisson Blue, Radisson Red, Radisson, Radisson Individuals. And then the country in and suites is a, is a behemoth of its own. It's the majority of what the hotels we have here. And so to really continue to, to find value in that, uh, we're going to start to you know, look at what the next generation of uh, country and suites will look like, and and really evaluate um, what's necessary in a hotel and what's not. Uh, all the way down to, you know, reconsidering room sizing and uh, public areas, and you know, again, this pandemic is uh, it's is not it's not changed everything, but um, it's certainly given us pause to think about you know, from a future uh, from a go forward point of view, what how we should impact uh, design and how we should impact value and, uh, and return for, for our owners and in turn for our guests.
0: Well, I want to thank you one to wish you well on your journey as you uh, move Radisson into the dynasty category. Uh, So hopefully 10 years from now, we're talking again about how you accomplished that. And I wish you uh, and your team all the best.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Keith. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, be good. Okay, all right, bye bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Dollars and Drivers. Until next time, this is Keith Kaffee. Signing off.